Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hallelujah. It was a wonderful time of praising God. Amen. I can see you're hungry this morning for what God has in store. We've had a wonderful start to 2020 with the, one, with the word of God from Isaiah in chapter 54, verse 1, 2, and 3. Shout for joy, O barren one. Uh, we saw how the Bible talks about in verse 2, Isaiah 54 and verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent and stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. We looked at 2020 and I believe God has, a, God has an increase or an enlarging or a growth that God wants from every one of our lives. Say it after me, growth. You know, growth is a good thing. Growth is something we all appreciate. It's something we want all our children to have. We want them to grow. We want them to be well and we want them to be happy and we want to see them prosper. But the Bible, even as much as we are getting into this year of of seeing growth and seeing the goodness of God and seeing the will of God that we must enlarge, I want you to look together with me at a very interesting scripture, the book of Colossians in chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 18 and 19. Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, let no one keep defrauding you of your price. Even as you're entering into 2020, there is a good chance that people will try to defraud you of a price that God has for you. Do you know that every one of us, you and me, God has kept a price, a reward for us. That we look forward to that reward. We look forward to something that God has kept for us. And the Bible says, do not let anyone cheat you of that. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anybody steal away that which heaven has kept for you and me. Hallelujah. We want everything that God has for us. Amen. Because God is a good God. Or whatever he does is good. And the Bible says, don't let anyone defraud you of your price by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking a stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by joint and ligament grows with a growth which is from God. This whole month, I just feel in my heart, the Lord wants us to focus on this word, growth. The Bible says here in Colossians 2 and verse 19, that God wants us to grow with a growth which is from the Lord. Amen. Everyone say it will be growth from the Lord. Say it again, growth from the Lord. God wants you and me to have a growth which is from God, which means to remind us that not every growth that everyone is having is a growth from God. Simply because we, are, we prosper on every side or simply because we, we are, we've seen good days or simply because financially you have a breakthrough or simply because you know, you, it, it feels as though there is a blessing that has come on you, it does not mean that that is a growth from the Lord, even though it could be. In medical science, we see that cancer is a growth too. In fact, cancer is a fast growth. You can have slower growths and faster growths. Cancer is a fast growth where it is growing beyond. It's the cells are multiplying. They're drawing on the nutrients of the body and they're multiplying. And the end of that growth is that that kind of growth is going to kill somebody. It becomes malignant growth. So not every growth we have. Not everything that looks prosperous is from the Lord. Not everything that promises a great future, you know, promises a great life, a great blessing is from the Lord. That is why every one of us, from the bottom of our heart, we must pursue a growth which is from the Lord. Amen. We're going to have a wonderful month this month learning about growing in the Lord. 
Why should we have a growth which is from the Lord? The Bible begins by, in, in verse 18, Colossians 2, 18, the previous verse, the Bible begins by reminding, let no one defraud you of your price, which means God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper you not only here on earth. He wants to prosper you in eternity. Which means if God is keeping a price for us, he's connecting that to eternity. When I was growing up, they told me that 10 standard and 12 standard exams, that was the turning point of your life. Nothing wrong in what they said, uh, but except that what they said about 10th and 12th had, 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 had a different end game to focus at. Why did they say the 10th and 12th were the most important exams of our life? Because they, they wanted us to finish that, get into a great career, and that great career would be something that will give us financial stability in unstable times. When my parents were growing up, it wasn't, you know, some of the professional degrees, it was a government job. Do something to get a government job. Why? Because when you're in, once you're in, then it's a smooth sail uh, till kingdom come, I guess, you know. Uh, take care of everything from your salaries to your pensions to everything. So they said 10th or 12th, nothing wrong with what they said. But the end goal of what they said was our financial security. But the Bible is saying that this life we live right now here on earth is our 10th and 12th for eternity. What we are doing in this life, this is the most important phase because this is a trailer of eternity to come. How we live now is so important. And God is saying, in this 70 or 80 years I've given you, don't let anybody cause you to take your eyes off the prize which God has kept. That's why Paul was saying at the end of his life, he came to the end of his life almost as though he took an examination. And he was writing down to Timothy, he was saying, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me what? A crown of righteousness. Not only for me, but for everybody that is awaiting his coming. Paul was reminding us to live life in such a way that the crown that God has kept for us, the prize that God has kept for us, the reward that God has kept for us, that would be something always in front of our eyes so that nobody, I said nobody, will defraud you from your prize. In this life, life looks really, really, really very important, which it is. But when we get to eternity, the glories of eternity will shock the daylights. And this life will pale in comparison of the glory. That's why Paul was saying, everything I considered gain. Philippians 3. I consider now loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He was saying, among everything that I can boast as gain, as my prosperity, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, blameless. Everything that I can boast of about my background, I consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. He somehow found knowing Christ of such much more greater value than all lot of the things that the world. And he was saying, don't let anyone defraud you by giving greater value to anything in your life than your spiritual growth. He said, this is what I want. What is it that you want, Paul? After all these years of walking with God, what is it that you want? I want to know him. Are you serious? But what about, what about this life? You know, sometimes people would tell me, John, you've got to be practical. You've got to be practical. Reality is different. Spirituality is different. Now, for some people who do not know Christ, it looks very different. But for the child of God, walking with Christ, knowing God, is the most spiritual and the most practical life you could ever live. Because this affects our eternity. Why do we work hard? Because of eternity. Why do we want to serve God? Because of eternity. 
Why do we want to sacrifice things for the Lord? Because of eternity. Why do we want to give up some things at the cost of others? Because of eternity. Why do we want to love them that hate us? Because of eternity. Why do we want to do everything possible? Because there is a crown that will not fade. This is why the Bible talks about, you know, the treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. The way we live life today, we can save up treasures in heaven and their moth and rust cannot destroy. The economy cannot bring it down. He says, do not let anyone defraud you, which means the devil is positioning people in such a way that he wants to deceive us. He wants to deceive us. And, and all the people that are trying to deceive us are not necessarily people who don't like us. Many times the people who deceive us are the ones that really care about us. They genuinely love us. They genuinely want good for us. And because they do not know the, the glory of his resurrection, because they don't know Christ, for them, the greatest value of life will not be something that Christ considers valuable. And so the ones that love us, their goodness, their good plans for us, their care for us can sometimes defraud us from the price. That we can exchange the glory of God for created things and pursue created things rather than pursuing the creator. So not everybody defrauding us is someone who doesn't like us. Sometimes we, we can fall in love with somebody and think, oh, the first time in my life somebody loved you. That emotion at that moment is very, very real. But you will soon find in a few years that, that you don't feel the same anymore. You don't think the same anymore. That you will, might feel defrauded of something. What is God saying? God is saying, come right back to knowing Christ and growing in Christ. He says, don't let anyone defraud you with the price. Why? He says, some, because some are delighting in self-abasement. What does that mean? He says, some people now, after coming to Christ, are going back into their old Jewish ways of, of thinking God is pleased when I deny myself. Some people think, you know, I'm not going to eat vegetables anymore or I'm not going to eat meat anymore for, for 50 days. And we think God will be happy that we didn't eat this or we didn't eat that or we ate or we took that money and gave it to the poor. We feel God will be happy. No, God is happy by your pursuing the things of eternity. Amen. What makes God more happy? Not by you eating or not eating something. God becomes happy by your obedience. You're radically desiring to grow. To go after that for which Christ went after you. To take a hold of that for which Christ took a hold of you. That's what God wants with your life. He will rejoice over you growing in the Lord. It's not by your external abasement. And he says some people are going after the worship of angels. And some are taking a stand on visions they had. Some people are going after, oh, you know what? I've, I'm a prophet or I've seen this vision or I had a heavenly experience. I was caught up to heaven. Have you been caught up to heaven? I've been caught up to heaven. And you suddenly feel very small in front of them. That, oh, they're having this great uh, heavenly... I lay hands on somebody and, you know, they, well, they rose from the dead. Have you? You haven't done anything like that. And they can operate in the gifts and ignore in becoming like Jesus. Because we focus on one area of growth... Or you have a vision, or you have dreams, or you operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. God is saying, no, 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 that's not the only thing I want. I want you to have a growth which is from the Lord. When one part of your body alone begins to grow, <laughs> well, that would be crazy. Some people are just operating in gifts, and that's the only part. And, and, and the other things about Christ are being ignored. Holiness is being ignored. Obedience to the faith is being ignored. Pleasing Christ in all things is being ignored. Becoming like him is being ignored. And just one part, what? Healing, 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 or prophecy, or, or, or you know, or, or anything. And God is saying, no, I want you to grow in every aspect. Hallelujah. God wants it all together as we are entering into 2020. I want to tell you, this year I believe God is going to cause us to grow in Him. Amen. God is going to cause us as a family to grow in Him in every aspect. 
God is going to cause us to grow in Him, in knowing Him, in walking. Some people are delighting in self-abasement, some worship of angels, some taking a stand on the visions they had, inflated without cause in their fleshly mind. Now, because we, we, many Christians do not recognize that we can be born again, but still walking in the flesh. Because fleshly life is not just immoral life. Immorality alone is not flesh. Then what is a fleshly life? A life that is not walking with the Holy Spirit is a fleshly life. So you and I can be full of, you know, knowledge of the scriptures. We can be so full of Uh, The pride that, oh, I'm not committing immorality with anybody. I didn't murder anybody. I don't hate anybody. I'm doing everything right. And yet, we can choose to ignore being in step with the Holy Ghost. The life in the Spirit is a New Testament life. The Christian life, God says, what do you, what is, what, what does the Bible call carnal? Anybody not walking in step with the Spirit, the Bible calls it carnality. And so we can, now others can deceive us, but now we can deceive ourselves. Now we can tell ourselves, I'm not so bad. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I didn't rob anybody. I've been a good person. I've read the word of God. I've been pretty neat. But everything the Lord has been speaking into your heart, you will think, you, you ain't working on your spirit, man, to be in step with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible calls that carnal. And that is why the Bible says, I has not seen, help me, what does it say? Ear has not heard and mind has not conceived what God, great and awesome things God has prepared for them that love him. What does verse 10 say? 1 Corinthians 2, 10, the next verse. But God has revealed it to us through the Holy Spirit. I has not seen, you has not heard, mind hasn't conceived, but a man plugged in with the Holy Ghost, he knows exactly what is going on. Amen. How many of you know the scripture for he'll come like a thief in the night? How many of you know that scripture? Do you know that it's not speaking about believers? The word of God, when the word of God declares that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night, That scripture is talking about for those who are not expecting him. But you know, for the born again, believing Christian, walking with the spirit, the Bible says, but we are not like those who do not know. Why? Because we are in in anticipation of his coming. Hallelujah. That when he comes in glory in the clouds, we will look up to the heavens and say, hallelujah, this is what we have been waiting for all along. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. That the born again Christian is not going to be taken by surprise. We've been, we will be telling him, you're on time, we're on time. We are excited, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because we are having a growth which is from God. In step with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And and you know the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had miracles and signs and wonders and healings and and all of these wonderful things. And he writes to them in 2 Corinthians, in the second letter to them. 2 Corinthians and, and chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says like this, test yourself. Test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? See, why would Paul write to the disciples of Jesus Christ in Corinth? And he's telling them, people of Corinth, I know you're born again. I know there's mighty healing, miracle signs, all of that. But I want to really encourage you, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. He's asking the believer, every believer must test yourself To see what? To see if you're in the faith or indeed unless you fail the test. The next verse says, but you do not fail the test. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. He's saying, why? How does Paul write to them saying we don't fail the test? He's saying because we test ourselves. We test ourselves, which means that from time to time, every believer, there has to be a testing of our lives to see where we stand concerning the obedience to the faith. Where do we stand concerning the pursuit of God? Ephesians chapter 4, 
verse 14 and 15, Bible says, as a result, we, be, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. God wants you to grow. One of the things God says, I want you to grow in, I don't want you to be children anymore in your faith. I want you to grow in such a way. One of the signs that you and I have grown is that things don't toss us around. That's why we have to grow in the Lord. Not that you just flip on television and, or, or get on the internet and everything you hear on the internet because somebody's got a nice suit and a nice following. We're tempted to believe everything they're saying is true. Paul is telling, don't let anyone deceive you of the price. You must hold on. Don't get tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. Where was this trickery? In the church, in the body of Christ, and today on the internet. So many doctrines, so many things. Don't get tossed around by trickery of men, craftiness in deceitful scheming. They are scheming. Why? Because they have benefit of you and me. They want to make merchandise of you and me. That if we can fall for them, how do, and now we can't blame them. What do we do? We've got to get used to the original. Amen. There's no point blaming other people because of them I went wrong. No, we went wrong because we didn't read the word of God. We deceive ourselves so that we position ourselves to be deceived by others. Did you hear what I'm saying? Oh, I like that. That was a good one. We deceive ourselves and position ourselves to be deceived by others. And God wants us to hold on. First Corinthians 30, you know when Paul said, when I was a child, I what? I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But now that I've become a man, I what? Put away childish ways. God is asking us this year. It is time for us as a church to put away childish ways. God is calling on your heart and my heart and saying, it is time for us to put away childish ways that we will actually begin to grow in the Lord, that we would love God and walk with God and know God, that we would leave the old manner of life. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. See, he says, How do, what does it mean to grow? What does it mean to grow? When we are saying I'm growing, it means that as if the way some of the things I used to do when I was a child, I don't do that anymore. Maybe I used to cry for milk when I was a child. Now I just go and ask somebody, can I have a cup of milk? Or if there's nobody, we'll just get the milk ourselves. We don't do the things we used to do. One of the signs of growth is that we are not doing, we are not behaving the way we used to behave. We're not complaining the way we used to complain. We're not lying the way. Therefore, 1 Peter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3, it says, Therefore, rid yourself of malice. Hallelujah. How many want to grow this year? Yeah? The Bible is saying, rid yourself of malice. Put aside all malice and all deceit, every kind of deceit hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. And then it says something powerful. Come on, help me. Like newborn babies, what does it say? Long for what? The pure milk of what? He's saying, he, what he's saying, now put away your malice and slander and deceit and blaming others and complaining and, and, and manipulating and doing all that. And now like a newborn baby. Why newborn? He's saying now you are dead to the old nature and the old man. Now you're newborn in Christ. Hallelujah. Before you found your nourishment from slander, complaining, malice, deceit, lying. You found safety and you found nourishment in that. God is saying now you are born again. So if you're born again like a newborn baby cry out for what milk of god's word like a newborn baby the old life is gone like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in respect to your salvation now listen to this part very clearly a lot of people tell you and me we got to be saved they come and ask you are you born again are you saved? And we say, yes, we're saved. 
oh, it almost feels like we crossed a milestone. And then after we saved, they says, what about, are you baptized? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go baptized. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? That's the next thing to do. You know, in the process of get filled with the Holy Ghost. Yep, I am. Now, are you attending church regularly? Yes. Are you putting your offerings? Yes. Uh, and after that, keep it going. Keep the cycle going, they'll tell you. But look what the Lord says. The Lord is saying, it isn't enough for you just to be born again or to be coming to church or having obeyed the Lord in baptism or getting filled with the Holy Ghost. God is saying, you must long for the pure milk. If you are a baby in Christ or if you are a Christian, one of the things God wants you to have a craving for, he's saying born again Christians crave for God's word. How do I know I'm growing or I'm dying? You will see the difference is in the signs of a child. How do I know a child is growing? A child is growing when they're craving after milk. And every time they're drinking that, it doesn't matter what their environment is. They want milk, they go for it. And a mother knows when the, it doesn't matter the mother's in the kitchen or the mother's out wherever at a distance. When the ba- mother hears the baby cry, the baby ain't waiting for nobody. The mother can't tell the baby, you know what, I'm at work, you know, three hours later, you know, I'll come back for milk. You don't do that. When she hears the crying, you know, she figures out a way to get the milk there. Why? Because a newborn baby don't wait for nothing or anybody to stop this baby from getting that milk. How do I know that I'm growing if I'm a newborn Christian? If I, how do I know there is a craving for God's word? This year, God wants you to crave for his word. He wants you to, he wants you to go after it. Why? Because everything for life and godliness is in here. And what you and I are going to do over the next 60, 70, 80 years or 30 years of our life till God calls us home, it's going to affect eternity. Oh, if it's going to affect eternity and my life is so short, then the Bible tells me live in such a way that brings good pleasure to the Father. When I read the Word of God, I want to start applying God, the Word of God. God says, do not any longer, blessed, he says, in Psalm 1, you know that word, Psalm 1, 1, it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or what? Or stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. He's like a man, but, uh, but he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. Uh, he will be like a tree that is planted by the Rivers of waters, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever it, how many things? Whatever. How many things? Whatever he does shall what? Shall prosper, the Bible says. So the Bible is saying that someone who fears the Lord, loves the Lord, there is an anointing on that person. He, he refuses to walk with the sinner, with the wicked, with the ungodly. And he says, I will not behave like the ungodly. I will walk according. My meditation is the day, word of God, day and night. Can you see that? Craving for the word, meditating the word every day saying, you know, what does this say? What does that say? When I got saved, I was just a newborn Christian. I got born again. And I wasn't sure whether I should be water baptized. My father came from, was a respected man in the church that he, he had planted a church in another nation that grew to, you know, many hundreds of people. And uh, he came to, you know, he had a respectable name. And so when I got born again, now here was the big question in my heart. Should I, should I please God or should I please my father? So people told me about baptism and I, I didn't want to get baptized. Why? Because my, I have found it hard to hurt my father. Or to, to hurt their feelings, thinking, oh, they loved me, not knowing that I never belonged to them. They were stewards of God's gift to them. I was a gift from God. You and I are gift of God to them so that they can steward it until God calls them home. Amen. Our children are not ours. They belong to God. They just, God just blessed us with them for a season until God calls us home. So here we have... Yeah, I was in this fix now. Should I get baptized? Should I not? And so somebody came and asked me, what do you think, John? Do you think we should be baptized? I said, no need to be baptized. I said, you don't need to be baptized. Why? What happened? In this confusion, I wrote a letter to a a very well-known ministry in the land, where has hundreds and thousands of followers all around the country. 
I wrote a letter to them, as, and I was just born again. It was a few months in the Lord, but the grace of the call was on my life. So I wrote a letter to them saying, uh, you know, I'm so-and-so and doing so-and-so. I just wanted to know, do you think, because my parents baptized me as a child, do you think I should be baptized again? That was one question. I had another question also. So two questions I sent it. <clears throat> About a few weeks later, I got a reply for them. And the reply came back saying, if you're baptized as a child, there's no need to be baptized again. Just accept whatever your parents have done. It's okay. And the second question I asked them was equally significant. And the second question was about, I won't tell you the issue, but I asked them and they gave me an answer. When I saw both those answers, in my head, I'm happy because both those answers answered according to what I wanted. But in my spirit, I was disturbed. Because the meditation of God's word was telling me what they told me was not right according to God's word. I was a 16, 17 year old boy, but the word of God was tugging on my heart. Now on one side, do I dishonor my father? On the other side, do I dishonor God's word? I battled with it until one day. And I was telling myself, see such a great man of God has said that. You see, do you see what was happening to me? Do not let anybody deceive you. Even if they're a great man of God or a great woman of God. I went through the scriptures and the more I looked at the scriptures, the more I convinced that they were wrong. 30 years later, I'm absolutely convinced they were wrong. Why? Because if a great man of God says something and God's constitution says something else, obey God. Amen. We honor all people. We love all people. We respect all people. But we obey the word of God. And this can happen only if you and I grow. Grow from a growth which is from the Lord. Some of us are growing, yeah, but we're growing on, on our special vitamins. Some people, when they read the Bible, they will read only blessing scripture. <laughs> Every day, one blessing from there, one blessing from here, one blessing from here. And they're constantly reminded, because, because some preacher told them, you know, meditate only on the positive things of scripture. Don't look at, don't say anything negative. Amen. But Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, then I'm going to die on a cross. Why did he say something negative? He could have said, my father said only positive things. I will also say, Father. you see, many preachers, they build a doctrine around things which are not from the scripture. And so I was thinking in my heart, wait a minute. The more I read scripture, I love to meditate on the blessing. But God wants us to grow with the whole counsel of God. Some of us. We, we love carbs, don't we? we? We love carbs or we love some fried foods or stuff like that. And imagine three times a day, every single day, for the next two years, you're going to stuff yourself with one kind of food. Now, is carbs bad? No, carbs are not bad. But you eat carbs day in and day out. You carbs in the morning, carbs in the afternoon, in the evening. You know, give yourself two, three months and you'll be looking like, you'll be looking like the carb you've been eating. Now, is carbs bad? No. But when you eat only that, are blessings bad? No. But when you're thinking only about that, then when will you and I think about, if any man loves me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and daily follow me. When will we think about the daily following God? When will we think about as we behold him as in a mirror, we will be transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. When we behold him, when, we, when will we meditate about becoming like him? Some people read only Psalms and they'll, they'll go through the Psalms and, and they, they meditate on what David said. Lord, those dogs, you know, those, those, uh, you know, those fellows, you know, my enemies, you get back at them, Lord. And that whole month they'll be meditating on God getting back at their enemies. What about you? When are you going to meditate on? And Christ said, forgive as I have forgiven. When are we going to look at the whole counsel of God? And as a child of God, we really need to do this. We need to, get, we need to get out of our former manner of life. We need to have a growth which is from God. A whole growth, a healthy growth. But we've got the carbs and the proteins. We've got the minerals. And now we've got, you know, you've you, you got, you got stuff that, that is needed for a healthy growth. You've got stuff that is needed for healthy growth. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord... 
So walk in him, being firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you've been instructed, overflowing with gratitude. What does God want from you and me this year? God wants us to be firmly rooted. Hallelujah. How many of you want to send your roots deep this year? Amen. We want to send those roots deep. Somebody trying to push you down, you ain't going down. Amen. Some new wind of doctrine comes. Maybe the branches move a bit, but we ain't going down. Amen. Some new kind of lie of the enemy he throws at you. He throws a challenge at you. He hurts you. He offends you. He tries to bring sickness. Listen to me. We ain't going down with that kind of stuff. Amen. Because we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who has loved us. We are going to stand firm, rooted. Amen. Our branches going up. Our roots going down. We're going to stand firm in the faith. We ain't going to go into all kinds of doctrines that are going to toss us around. We ain't going down with, with, the, with, with every small emotion that comes our way. We tell our emotions to align itself to God's word. Some people say, but I'm feeling sad today. That's why God's word says rejoice today. Oh, but this is what I'm feeling. Well, tell your feeling to fall in line with God's commandment. But I don't feel like that. That's why God's saying grow up. Because if we're only following our feeling, then if you ain't leading your life, the feeling is. You, your feeling becomes your master. I'm feeling low today. Well, rejoice. But I don't feel like rejoice. Well, God didn't ask you to feel like rejoicing. He commanded you to rejoice. Amen. He didn't ask you to feel like rejoice. Philippians 4.4, 4, what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 3.1, it is of no trouble for me to tell you the same thing again. Rejoice in the Lord. I mean, the Bible is full of rejoice. He's telling you all the way, the joy of the Lord is my. That's why we are weak. Did you get it? The joy of the Lord is my. And when I refuse the joy of the Lord, I feel like being sad. I have no strength. That's why I'm weak. Because we ain't eating the right stuff. We're stuffing ourselves on blessings, on carbs. And blessings are good. But blessings won't root you. Obedience and faith will. Amen. That you'll not be tossed around. This year, I am, I am praying for you, church. You'll become like mighty sinners of Lebanon. You'll be like the redwood tree. Oh, there's another thing. I'll talk about a redwood tree in a minute. It says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, the Bible says, so that everybody will see your progress. You know, that's what 1 Timothy 4.15, Paul is telling Timothy, give yourself to the pursuit of growth, that everybody will look at you and say, that is growth. They look at you, you know, when you were growing up, they saw you after a few months in your shooting up years. And I look at you and say, whoa, when did that happen? You suddenly shot up. God is, God's going to challenge you. The, the Bible is saying, let your growth be evident to all. Let everybody see you and say, wow, he's moved on. She's grown. When we are growing in Christ... In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. And I think this is, a, this is a very, very important verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Come on, help me with this. But speaking the truth in love, we are to what? We are to what? We are to grow up in all aspects. Unto him, which means God doesn't want you to grow up just in one part of your life. He wants you to grow up anything that looks like Christ. He wants you to grow like that. He wants you to grow up in your thinking. He wants you and me to grow up in our prayer life. He wants us to grow up in our faith life. He wants us to grow up in our pursuing the things of God. He wants us to grow up in serving the Lord in the ministry. He wants us to grow up in our absolute Immediate obedience. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to grow up in denying ourselves, taking up the cross and following him. He wants us to grow up in our thinking. The Bible says in your thinking, 
be mature. Don't be like babies. He wants us to grow up in that. Look what he says. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in how many aspects? All aspects. This year, how many aspects do we want to grow? All aspects. You know, years ago, I saw this cartoon. You know, in the newspapers, they'd have these cartoons, you know. And in the cartoon, it's the picture of somebody, the doorbell rings. And uh, the doorbell rings and, and the Korea guy has brought a manual. Bodybuilding for the lower half of the body. And the cartoon was so funny because this guy had built the upper half of his body, V-shaped, fully muscular, and his two legs were like toothpicks. <laughs> can you imagine that cartoon? Can you, can you see that? Big guy with two toothpicks. And the doorbell rings, he's getting bodybuilding for lower half. You know, many of us are like that. We focus on the lower half, the upper half goes. We focus on the upper half, the lower half goes. And we will never come to a time in life where we are focusing on all aspects. God wants us to focus on all aspects. What is every aspect of our faith? God wants you. The Bible says in in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, And the disciples, they devoted themselves to what? To prayer. You see... You look at our prayer rooms. Our prayer rooms are empty. The Sunday services are full. That, that shows us that we are an unhealthy church. Are you listening to me? Because either we don't have time or we don't have faith in the power of prayer. Or if we do have time and faith, we don't have responsibility to pray. You know the prophet Samuel said? He said, far be it unto me that I should sin, that I don't pray for you. God wants us to grow in prayer. That's, that's all aspect. That's part of it. They devoted themselves to what? Prayer? To the apostles? Which means there was a, there was a devotion to the apostles' doctrine. To the teaching of God's word. There was a commitment to it. I want to go and I want to learn. I remember years ago, I had gone to a meeting, and at the meeting, a man of God, it was a leadership training meeting, a man of God had come to train, equip people in leadership, and he said, I want to give a few of my books away, so he picked up one book of his, and he said, this I want to give it away for something, something, and someone, and someone got it, then next thing he said, I want, to, I want to give this book away to the person that's come farthest for this meeting, he said, who's come the farthest for this meeting, so somebody stood up and said, I've come six kilometers, someone said, no, I'm 11 Someone said, 15 from the back. And then someone said, 21. <laughs> We're all looking at him. I'm almost going to give the book away. My hand went up. He said, how far have you come? I said, I've come to 3,000 kilometers for this meeting. All the other hands went down. Suddenly, I got the book. And you know, because of that, I remember I walked up to that man of God and I said, a few months later, it was an ongoing training. I asked the man of God. I said, man of God, can I ask you a favor? I said, what? I said, can you be my leadership mentor? And the person looked at me and he said, uh, why is that? I said, I'm willing to pay any price to have you as my leadership mentor. I said, if you have a fee, I will pay it. But will you train me? Because, you see, this man was number 17 in the world. He looked at me and he said, he said, sure, I will. And for you, it'll be free. I looked at him and said, sir, I'm willing to pay. (laughs) Now, not that I had the money. But I knew that I had only so much time in life. That we're going to take what it takes to grow. This year is so important for you and me. We cannot let it pass. We're going to do what it takes to grow. Amen. I looked at him and I said, sir, I'm really willing to pay. He looked at me and he said, for you, it's going to be free. And that man has poured into our lives. He's taught us and shared. And and I thank God for such people God has used in our life to raise and train godliness in us and Obedience and leadership and things like that. God is saying, every aspect from whom the whole body, every aspect 
uh, unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together. Everybody say whole body. Fitted together. This is one thing we as a church must grow in. The Bible says God's not asking for the whole body to assemble together on Sundays. The Bible is saying I want the whole body to be fitted together. You know that you go to a car garage, you'll have so many body parts of cars all around the garage, but that ain't going anywhere until you fit it together. What are we doing today? Many times, Sunday after Sunday, we don't understand that growth means you and I and everyone else fits in together to serve God together, to do our part together, to read the word and grow together. To honor him, to share the gospel together, fitted together. But we're focusing on gathering together. And we miss out on the growth that comes from being fitted together. Can I hear an amen? God wants us. It says to be fitted together and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body. Which means, how does growth happen? Growth happens by fitting together. Growth happens by fitting together. It does not happen by aggregately being available on a Sunday. It happens by fitting together and the growth of every part of the body begins to happen. How will the church of the living God grow? Not by gathering, guys, but by fitting together. Which means you have a role when you fit together that only you can do. I have a role. Only I can do. Fitted together and held together. Held together. And working together. Every individual part. Which means when every part is not properly working together. Can you see that? Properly working together. When we properly work together, it causes the growth of the body. This year we are going to grow. We're going to grow in the Lord. We're going to grow in, in leading people to Christ. We're going to grow in loving Jesus. We're going to grow in, in looking like Jesus, walking like Jesus. We're going to grow in, in seeing salvations. We're going, to grow. We're going to grow in people being added to the church and the numbers. We are going to grow. But it will happen when every one of us fit together. And according to the proper working of each individual part. Which means if you are growing, you will be properly working in the kingdom of God. One of the signs of growth is properly working. That there's a U-shaped gap in the body that nobody else can fill. There is something that only you can do. And when you and I properly work together, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Are you growing in Christ? Or are you feeding off Christ? Are you growing in Christ or are you feeding off Christ? Many, many Christians are feeding off Christ, what God has got to offer us. But God's not calling us to feed off Christ because that's outside the covenant. What is God calling us to? To grow in Christ. That you might be full of God's love. Finally, Jesus says in John's Gospel 15, verse 1 through 5, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And you, my father, is the wine dresser. I am the true vine and my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this as I close today. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. You know what God is saying? God is saying that it isn't enough to be a branch in him. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I will cut away, says the Lord. Which means in the kingdom, it's not enough to be a branch in him. It is important to be a branch in him that is what? Bearing fruit. 
which means the sign of growth in a Christian life is not just saying the sinner's prayer. The sign of growth in Christian life is to be a fruit-bearing branch. For God, that is growth. For God, that's fruitfulness. He says, don't just bear fruit. I want you to bear fruit and that the fruit will remain. That it will multiply. It will grow. I'm the true vine. My father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Which means if I'm growing, if you and I are growing, you will know it. By the way, God is pruning you. Mm, Hallelujah. Oh, you will know it. When God is pruning you, you'll be saying, how many of you know you've gone through some fires of your life or you are going through? If you're going through fire and God is pruning you and you're still there and saying, God, I'm going after this, you and I together, you're growing. Amen. Because God is seeing potential for growth and fruit in you. God is looking at you and saying, this is going to be a good tree. You know, in my home, we got different jackfruit trees back in my native place. And my father always talks about one jackfruit tree that gives good fruit. The other one gives a lot of fruit, but he don't talk about that. That fruit, they cut and give it to the you know, to the to food for the animals. But there's this one that people come home for. That's the one. That's the one there. You see, and, and I want you to know that, that God knows, God sees the difference. You can be something producing fruit that nobody is talking about. Why? Or someone in a branch in the family that that, that that's not really growing properly. God's saying, God's saying, yeah, that's great, but you know what? I've got greater plans for you. What kind of plans? Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Nor has the mind conceived. What great and awesome plans God has got for every one of you. God's got some awesome plans for you. He says, I will, every branch that bears fruit, I will prune that it will bear more fruit. God's calling you a fruit bearing tree today. God wants you to pursue that growth. God wants you to, to bear the nature of Christ. He wants you to serve the house of God. He wants you to share about Jesus to others. He wants you to lead people to Christ. He wants you to finish the great commission. We'll all go together. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, abide in me and I in you. And whoever abides in me, he will bear much fruit, says the Lord. And I think today, this is the connect. For whoever abides in me he will bear much fruit hallelujah god is calling you and me today to a place of bearing much fruit and that key is going to be this year as we're beginning this year and this month we're going to talk about growth this month on we're going to see how god wants you and me to abide in him amen he wants you to remain in him god's god wants you to be plugged into christ other than in christ you cannot grow other than walking with christ you cannot bear fruit and the fruit that remains unto him amen every eye closed in the presence of god thank you for listening to this sermon for more sermons please do visit us at wicc.in